it's, it's kind of in the middle of a discussion that's been going on of what Paul's been covering, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But let me begin then with verse 11 of chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is opened wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now in a like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what fellowship or what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from the midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. This is God's word. Let's bow and pray together. Father, we thank you that we can come and look at your word together. We thank you that this is your truth, that this is what you've given us to understand and to walk in and to live, that, Father, we are coming because we know we're not alone, that you're here, that your spirit is here, that you have come to teach us, and we pray that your Holy Spirit would indeed be our teacher today. Would you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts that we may take in all that you have for us and will you make application in our hearts for this life, for this life and for this week. And we make our prayers thanking you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when we look at 2 Corinthians, um, we think about some of the things that are encountered here. You know, the, uh, the Apostle Paul <coughs> is, uh, is looking at the Christian life. And when he looks at the Christian life, you know, I think about one of the first things that happens to us when we become believers. One of the first things that happens to us is we're often tempted. We're often tempted to, um, to not walk as closely with the Lord as we should. And you know, Satan's, one of his first temptations is, it's kind of like, um, the thought that crosses your mind and the thought that crosses your mind is, well, it's fine to be a Christian. It's fine for you to be a Christian and to be religious. But you know, don't be so rigid about your faith. Compromise is a part of life and all of us have to give a little. You can't stick with God and God's word all the time or you'll be a fanatic and everybody will keep you at a distance. You know, we're often afraid, aren't we? It's not so much that we're afraid of, um, of what God thinks as much as sometimes we're mostly just afraid what people think about us. And Satan wants to build on that. In fact, it's kind of like what he did to the people in the garden. When in Adam and Eve, what he did with them was 
he basically came to them and said, are you sure God wants you not to eat from the tree in the center of the garden? Did he really say that? Is that what he really meant? What if he's denying you something that would really, you would really enjoy? What if he is keeping you from some knowledge that you need to know? So don't be so fanatical that you stick with God all the time in all of his words and what he says. Well, the, the Christians at Corinth were tempted. Uh, this is a church that had a lot of trouble. I mean, we talked about, I think, before some of the problems that the Corinthian church had. You know, you can go, they had trouble because there were divisions in the church. They had trouble understanding what the gifts were. They had trouble understanding what true love was, what real love was. Paul had to tell them, love is patient, love is kind. Uh, they had all kinds of trouble with the divisions in the church. They had these super apostles coming in who were the super spiritual people. They had all of this problem. And then there were some people that came in that said, you know, um, Paul doesn't, I mean, he writes these weighty letters, but he, when he speaks to us, he's weak. He looks weak. He doesn't look as strong. And so there were, there were people that were trying to undermine Paul's ministry. There were these people that, in the congregation, that said, well, we don't know if we, if we really want to follow Paul. And Paul had this shaky history with him. He came one time and it didn't go well when he visited the church. He comes back, he's not sure the church is going to make it. So you see, when you come to chapter 6 and you get into chapter 7, the, Paul is saying, basically, he ends chapter 5 by saying, you know, we are ambassadors for Christ. And he says, so stick with Christ, stick with the gospel, and stick with me as the apostle that God has sent to you. So stick with Christ, stick with me, and stick with the gospel. Another way of saying that is saying, be set apart to something. Be set apart to God. Be set apart to the gospel of God. Be set apart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, to be set apart to, what's the other word for that? We think of sanctified, set apart to. Or we even think of the word holy, because the word holy means that something is set apart. When we say God is holy, what we mean is God is so set apart from us, He is so vastly different from us, that <clears throat> um, He's so different from His creation because He's infinite, eternal, unchangeable, and His being, power, wisdom, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. We think about God as being wholly different from us, wholly different from His creation. But holy means to be set apart to something. We set God apart from all the others. In the city of Corinth, they had gods or idols on every street corner. They said in the, in the Greek world, it was easier to find a god in a city than it was to find a man because those cities were full of idols. So the Apostle Paul is looking at their culture. He's looking at their background. He's looking at the temptations for them to go back to idolatry. And he's saying, stick with Christ Stick with the gospel and stick with me.
as the apostle that God has sent to you. So we, we come to, to that, that message that he's beginning with in chapter 6. You know, in chapter 6, he said, um, he said, our mouth is, has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is opened wide to you. In other words, I've opened myself up. I'm completely vulnerable with you. So stick with me. He says, you are not restrained by us, but you're restrained in your own affections. In other words, they were holding back their own affections. So now he says, stick with me, stick with Christ, stick with the gospel. And then he's saying, don't compromise with your culture. Don't go back to the idolatry. Don't go back to those idols that are on the street corners. Don't return to the paganism. You know, there were pagan temples up on the, up on the high places in those cities. That's where they built those pagan temples. The, the, uh, the temple to the goddess of love was there. There were a thousand temple prostitutes in it. So you see, don't go back to that culture. Don't go back to that lifestyle. Don't go back to where you've come from, but stick with Christ, stick with the gospel, and stick with me. And then he says, don't go over to the other side. Don't join the side of the unbelievers. If you look at 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, he says, do not be bound together or joined together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? You know, do not be unequally yoked, is how the King James Version puts it. And we think about that, and he says, so don't be unequally joined with unbelievers. Originally, that reference was to plowing. It was to plowing with an ox and a donkey. And he says, don't plow with the ox and the donkey, because if you do, the weight distribution will be off and unequal, and one of the animals may be in pain, and your furrows also will be all uneven and not straight. But unequally yoked, the whole idea, um, he's saying, don't be joined together with the cause of unbelief. Don't be joined together with unbelievers who are going away from God. Don't be joined with the unbelief of the idolatry that's everywhere around you. Don't be joined with the immoral culture where sexual sin was just way out in the open. He says, don't be joined to that. Now, so often when we think of do not be joined together, you and I were trained or brought up if we were brought up in church, and we thought that the, the emphasis was primarily on business arrangements and maybe marriage. Now, it's not that those aren't important. Those are important matters. But as Gary Millar in, one of, in his commentary says, I am convinced that being unequally yoked is not primarily about marriage, and this isn't about entering into business partnerships or only using Christian electricians. You know, it's about more than that. The context shows us, because Paul says, what partnership can righteousness have with lawlessness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? In other words, how can we be joined together with the cause that we've already left? How can we go back to our idolatry? How can we go back to living a life of sexual sin like was there before? He says, 
We can't go back to that. Don't go back and join in the cause of unbelief. Because he says, what partnership can righteousness have with lawlessness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? Another writer has said, the deeds of darkness, which so disfigured paganism, must therefore be cast aside as wholly incompatible with their Christian profession, for light and darkness cannot coexist. No, light and darkness can't coexist. God has called us out of that life. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Paul said that just one chapter back in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Paul says, what harmony does Christ have with Belial? You know, Belial was the term derived from the word worthless. And that name was connected with the idol in the Old Testament that later was connected with Satan worship. Um, and um, recently, um, I was reading an article about a, a Lutheran pastor who had written a new creed for her church. And in that creed, she made a reference to the pagan god Baphomet. Um, which was an ancient satanic symbol. And all of that was tied in together with witchcraft. And I just wonder, what would Paul say to that? What would Paul say to a Christian minister who formed a creed that was joined and linked to Belial or ancient paganism or witchcraft? Paul would say, don't go over to the other side. Don't compromise your faith with unbelief. Don't worship the God. Don't worship any God but the true God of the Bible. Don't introduce pagan practice into Christian worship. You know? Paul's saying, don't go to the other side. Don't join with the cause of unbelief. Um, he's saying, stick with me, stick with the gospel. Don't go to the other side. And then he says, and don't miss the message of, don't miss the blessings of faith and obedience because being set apart to God has this wonderful, has this wonderful compensations. The Christian life has wonderful compensations. Being joined and united to Christ has blessings that are far beyond anything the world has to offer, doesn't it? In verses 16, 17, and 18 of chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says, he reminds them that those that don't join the other side, what does God say to us? God says, I will dwell with them. I will walk among them. You will be my children. I will be your father. There's this wonderful relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have new life. We've, we're new creations in Christ. And so our life is wonderfully different. So we're not to join the other side because there are these wonderful blessings and compensations of being part of the body of Christ, being part of belonging to Jesus. For we are the temple of the living God, and instead of being dead in our souls anymore, we've become alive. The Spirit of God lives in us, we have this new life and this new perspective. 
And because we have this new perspective, we see things differently in the world. We're not to indulge the desires of the flesh like, like the old life which they came from. But he says, come out from your old life. Come out from the things that you thought would make you happy. Don't touch those old unclean things. You know, that's why he quotes these passages from the Old Testament. Come out from their midst and be separate, he says, and do not touch what's unclean. In other words, don't go back to that old life. Don't compromise with unbelief. Don't give your life back to paganism or sexual immorality or all the things that were part of that life over there. Come and enjoy the blessings of belonging to Jesus. Come out from the things that you thought would make you happy and instead go to the things that truly make you happy. Don't touch the unclean things and rather go to those things which bring life. St. Augustine said, you know, our souls are restless until we find our rest in thee. Because only in Christ are we ultimately going to be happy. Only in Christ are we ultimately going to find the meaning that we look for in life. Um, only in Him is that joy. Because God made us for Himself, and if we try anything else, it, it doesn't work. Um, I have a friend who, <clears throat> when he first started working and was making money, he had all these hobbies, and one of his hobbies was gun collecting, so he started collecting a bunch of guns. And he got those and then said, well, now what else can I do? And then he, he loved cars, so he started buying cars. He, he owned all kinds of cars. He owned sports cars. He'd keep it for a while. He'd sell it. He'd get another one. He'd try something different. Always looking for something that really satisfies. You know, but see, God has made us for himself. And we're never happy until we're in that ultimate relationship with him where he's made us for himself and we belong to him and we love him and we seek him and we say yes to him. Our lives are going to be unsatisfied uh, if, we, if we stay out where we started. Because when we come to Christ, we're at home with him and God says, I will live with them. I'll be a father to you and you will be my children forever. So don't miss the blessings and the wonderful compensations of being set apart to God by faith and obedience. Next thing he says is, if you're set apart to Christ, keep on going until you finish. If you're set apart to Christ, keep on going till you finish. In 2 Corinthians 7 Verse 1, it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let us keep on cleansing ourselves from every defilement of flesh and spirit, he says. It's interesting, Peter says the same thing. You know, if you didn't think that the scripture was inspired, uh, all you have to do is just keep reading and see that the same message, whether it's Peter or whether it's Paul or whether it's Jude or whether it's Luke, you see the same inspiration of the Holy Spirit bringing things together. Let me read you from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 <clears throat> through 16. 
1 Peter chapter 1, 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in ignorance. Paul could have written this to the Corinth Christians. <clears throat> but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. There's the message over and over again. Don't be conformed to the lust of this world, which were yours in your ignorance. Instead, walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do the things that he's called us to do and to be. Peter and Paul have the same message. Don't be conformed to the world around you. Don't give in to your former lusts. You are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Be holy because I'm holy. That's what God says over and over again. Keep on perfecting holiness. You know, it's that present continual action. Keep on perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In other words, being set apart truly to God. The word keep perfecting in 2 Corinthians 7.1 is that word epiteleo in the Greek. And that word comes from the from the word teleo, which means to bring something to completion, to bring it to the end of itself, which is exactly the purpose that we're living for. God wants us to bring this life of being set apart to Him to its completion. Sanctification is that growing Christian life where we keep moving more and more towards the things that are right and more and more away from the things that are wrong in our lives. We are to keep on perfecting holiness in the fear of God, bringing it to completion. So our purpose is to be set apart to God. Our purpose is to cleanse ourselves from everything that defiles our life. We're to cleanse ourselves from everything that defiles the body. And Jesus is the one that has told us over and over again some of the things that defile the body. In Mark chapter 7, he lists about how many of them? Let me read them for you. He lists sexual immorality, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. He's calling us away, you see, from the old life. The Corinthians, so many of the Corinthians, you know, came from that culture. They were believers that were converted in that culture. They weren't Jews who grew up with a knowledge of the scriptures, but they were pagans. And he says, come away from that pagan life that you've been living and turn yourself and complete the work of being set apart to God. Bring it to perfection. Bring it to its end result. Don't defile yourself because you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you. So the Christians of Corinth could have looked at Paul and said, okay, but this is hard. This is hard to do in our culture. How can we live like this? How can we be set apart to God and dedicated to God in the culture where we walk down the street and there's an idol at every street corner and we look up with our eyes and we see on the Acropolis, on the high place of the city, we see the temple of Aphrodite. We know that there are a thousand temple prostitutes there. We know that all of this goes on 
around us in the city. You know, we think we live in a sexual culture. <laughs> we think we live in a culture giving itself away from God. Look at the culture they lived in. And they could say to Paul, how do we live in our culture to live like this in our culture? How can we do it? And what does he say? How can we be holy in that culture? The same thing he says to us. Remember what God has done for you. Remember what God has done for you. God has allowed his own son to be treated like the one who went over to the other side. You know, he tells us, don't go to the other side. But what did he do? He allowed his son to be treated like one who was unrighteous, like one who was an unbeliever, like one who had gone to the other side, like one who was really the enemy. He let his own son, who was completely set apart to him and holy, be treated as if he were unholy because he was the one that went to the cross for our sakes. He was the one who bore the ultimate penalty. He was the one who took on the judgment, the judgment and the condemnation of sin. He was the one who became sin for us. You remember what Paul said when he said, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. You know, he was reminding us that Jesus was rich in obedience. He was completely holy. He gave up everything for us. He deserved all the blessings of God. He deserved to always be um, close to God and have perfect fellowship with God. But even on the cross, God had to pull away from his own son because his son became sin for us. And because Jesus became sin for us, God the Father pulls away and the Son senses that pulling away and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was the new Adam who always obeyed his Father and never sinned. He was the one for our sakes who became poor. He suffered hatred and rejection. He was hated without a cause. He was reviled and rejected. He was spit upon and mocked. And he was humiliated by those he created. And yet, he completed his life of perfect obedience. Jesus completed his life of perfect obedience because he even said that on the cross. He said, Tetelestai, it is finished. It is completed. The work of redemption has been accomplished. He said, I have offered up the sacrifice completely, the one that you gave me to do. I've offered up everything for you. And now my obedience is complete. Now I've finished what you gave me to do. Now the debt for sins has been paid. Now it's done. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that we look to. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who went all the way to the end. He fulfilled the calling that God had for him. He took our sins in his own body on the cross so that we might be dead to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds we are healed. You know, Satan's lie to us is if we're completely set apart to God, if we're sanctified, if we seek to live holy lives before God, Satan's lie to us is you'll never be happy. You'll never really be happy if you become a Christian. You're never really happy if you live the Christian life. You'll never be fulfilled. But 
That is just the lie of Satan, which is always wrong. Because instead, what God promises is in this chapter for us. He says, do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, being set apart means that we're set apart to him, that we become part of his family, and he welcomes us, and he says, you are set apart to me. You are my children. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, and we will be with him forever and ever. At an acceptable time, he says, I listened to you, and on the day of salvation, I helped you. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his perfect obedience on the cross, for his perfect life of obedience, that he turned his back on all those things which the world would offer him, even that Satan offered him. And we thank you, Father, for Jesus and his faithfulness to the end. We pray that you'll make us faithful to the end, that you'll send us to be, that you'll keep us on the path of sanctification and being set apart to you and that father you'll help us as this verse says that we will cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of you we pray in jesus name amen